The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome to the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board as we uh, introduce our new show open as well. Many thanks to Kyle Simpson and the guys over at Atomic Recording Studio for making that work for us. Great show straight ahead today. A lot of things going on. A couple of different guests today, and I am really excited about uh, this show. We're going to talk leadership and, of course, this is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. And uh, we, we are going to do a lot of that. So get your notebooks out. Get some things ready to go. You can find us at bizlockerroom.com. Brand-new website has been released over the weekend. We're excited about that. Find me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. Chester Elton is our first guest in our show this afternoon and really excited to have him on board. I first became aware of Chester when I read uh, his book, uh, he was a co-author along with Adrian Gostick of a book called The Carrot Principle. And I was right in the middle of writing my own book, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't. When Chester's book came out, he and, he and Adrian's book came out, and I read it, and I was really disgusted because it was so good and uh, so many things that, uh, that I was trying to say, and they were saying so much better. And based on a lot of hard data research, and it has become a uh, classic in, in the business world. He's followed that up with a couple of great books now. All In uh, came out not too long ago. And now a brand new book, What Motivates Me. If you don't know anything about Chester, he is known as the Apostle of Appreciation. And, of course, uh, he's been recognized all over the business world. The Financial Times, Washington Post, Fast Company, New York Times. He's been featured on 60 Minutes CNN and a number of places does a great video blog as well. Chester, just a delight to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Oh no, listen. Thanks for the uh, for the invitation. Always great to talk to energetic and engaged people. Well, I, you know that's your specialty, isn't it? I mean, uh, you and Adrian have uh, written some fantastic books. And let's go back just a little bit and talk about uh, the Carrot Principle. Was that was that the landmark, groundbreaking book for you guys? Yeah, you know, it, it was one that really kind of, um, where we started to use a lot of case studies and a lot of uh, really hardcore research. You know, we'd written uh, um, several books before that, actually, that had done well, uh, Managing with Carrots, the 24-Carat Manager, a Carrot a Day. Carrots were a big deal for us for a long time, and uh, they'd done well. But the breakout book, you're right, was The Carrot Principle, and it's been translated in over 25 languages, and we speak all over the world on that. 
Well, and ask a very simple question in terms of the research. It's amazing how a very simple question like this can yield so much useful data. But the question was, how often or how well does your company recognize and encourage excellence? And you guys, what was interesting, you found a direct correlation between recognition and encouragement and financial performance and performance and other key metrics that the business managers really find to be important. It was it was really a breakthrough of, of, of significance. It really was. And we, we got a lot of research from Towers Watson. We did a lot of research on our own. We actually put out a second edition that had our international data finding. Because, you know, as we started to speak in, in Singapore, in Asia, you know, in South America and Europe, people uh, very quickly jumped to the fact that, well, that's an American thing. You know, you guys are real rah-rah. And we said, no, no, you know, it's not an American thing. It's a human thing. We yes. all feel the need to be, you know, appreciated and valued in our work. And then to your point, we were able to draw direct correlations to return on equity, return on assets, and, and, and so on, growth and, uh, and a turnover. And when, when you can get to those hard matrix, it goes from being just a nice thing to do, you know, something makes your mama proud, to really smart business acumen. And so you're right in that sense. It really was um, breaking the boundary of the, the sort of thinking about, you know, uh, you know, a nice thing to have at work to really a must-have at work if you're going to be highly engaged and really productive. Yes, absolutely. And I owe you a great debt of gratitude because the nice thing about it is intuitively, I think a number of managers and people, you know, had that sense that appreciation and value for others was a critical part of their performance matrix. Your research validated that. And and as I've pointed out now for several years to people, is it's something that as a manager, the tool that I have availability uh, have available to me, it is a tool that costs me almost nothing other than uh, my time. That's just about it. Well, yeah, we, we, we always laugh. We've got a great quote. We say it's it's common sense that's uncommonly practiced. <laughs> right. You know? And, and, and it's, it's such a powerful tool. Well, you have followed that up with uh, the book All In. And I want to spend some time talking about your newest book. And I know you're excited about it. It's called What Motivates Me? Put Your Passions to Work. And, and you guys, you set out on another big journey to find out what motivates people. Clearly, one of the challenges in the workplace, as reported by a number of research institutions, over two out of three people are not motivated to do their very best work in the office, in the workplace. And you guys conducted 850,000 interviews. I mean, it's a staggering number of interviews to find out why people were not engaged at work. What are, what are some of the highlights of those surveys? What stands out to you? Well, you know, uh, just to back up a little bit, you know, in our book, All In, we, we sort of we mined the idea of what creates a great culture at work. And so we created a roadmap with a lot of research there as well. But what led us to, to, to write what motivates me is in these great cultures, you know, and, and obviously appreciation was a part of that, you know, um, people feeling valued and recognized. You know, we talk about a place where people believed what they did matter, they made a difference, and then when they made a difference, they were rewarded and recognized for it. And so that was a fascinating part of the journey. But at the end of the conversation, it always kind of came out where people said, yeah, but we got to have the right people in the right places with the right motivation. And we went, oh, yeah. So we, you know, our work has kind of gone from 10,000 uh, feet right down to sea level, whereas do you have the right people with the right motivators? And, and to your point, um, it's it, it's such an interesting area to explore because there's been so much work done on motivation. And one of the big ahas that we had, and believe me, we, we love simplicity, but there was there was such a simplistic uh, approach to, to motivation, you know, clouded by a lot of managers and leaders' personal experience. For example, 
You know, um, if my manager was a, a big achiever, uh, he or she would expect everybody to be an achiever and that, that, that money would be a big driver. And so uh, money drives everything. So if I'm driven by money, you're going to be driven by money. Well, one of the big ahas we had is we really are more complex than that. And understanding each individual's motivators and differences really helps you build a much more engaged and productive team. It makes sense, doesn't it? It really does. And the question I often have for groups that I work with, and the question I want to ask you, Chester, off, off the cuff, can you motivate people? Can people be motivated by an external influence like a manager? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's no question that the biggest impact on your happiness at work uh, is your direct supervisor. The, the better your direct supervisor understands uh, what your motivators are, uh, the better you're off you're going to be. Now, you, you've asked an interesting question there. It's like, can you be motivated? Well, yeah, I think everyone is motivated. The, the trick is to find out by what. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, even, even, even the, uh, the, the, the laziest guy on the planet is motivated by not having to get off the couch. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Exactly. So we, we all have motivators. The, the, the question is, do you understand what they are, and do you know how to engage people around those motivators to get the best possible uh, work out of them? We're talking with Chester Elton. He is the author of uh, the co-author of The Carrot Principle, All In, What Motivates Me, Put Your Passions to Work, is the most recent work. And you can find him, by the way, online at chesterelton.com. And certainly uh, would encourage you to follow him on Twitter, at Chester Elton. You guys do a great video blog. I really enjoy that. Uh, you guys have, in the process of doing this, and I say you guys quite often, I'm, you and, and Adrian and the people at uh, Culture Works, which is your company, you, you have created this survey. In fact, you sent me a copy of it so that I could take it. But you have the ability now to uh, recognize and identify people's motivators and what you call their identities. Give us a little background uh, in, in the few minutes we have before the break, Chester. Give me some background as to how that uh, came together. You got it. Well, you know, we were really interesting. So there are motivators at work. So how many are there? You know, again, there was some simplistic approach that said, look, there's three or there's five. And so we said, look, you know, our DNA is more complicated. How many are there? So we engaged the folks at Talent Smart, who are great um, researchers. They've got their PhDs in organizational behavior and, and all those kinds of things. And we really went out and we tested it. We said, you know, there, 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 are, there are probably hundreds, right? But there are only 23 that are significant. And that was a big aha for us. So these 23 motivators are the ones that are the most significant at work. And your top seven are, are, you know, strong, the next seven are moderate, and the other nine are what we call neutral. So that was interesting to find that. But what we really found interesting was is there were clusters of motivators. And so we brought those into identities, because 23 is a lot to remember and yes. a lot to delve into. But they clustered around five identities that were much easier to digest and made a lot more sense. For example, you had the achievers identity. You had the builders, the caregivers, uh, you know, the thinkers, and the reward-driven. And when you looked at those five identities and, and how you then cluster up into that, it helps you really understand everybody in your team and the leader uh, for he or she, what motivates them right now, because the big aha we had was that unlike your personality profiles, your motivators change, and that's really important to understand. 
Yeah, that was one of my first questions is, do our motivators change over the course of time? And I, I think the answer is pretty clear. As you mature in experience and, and as you perhaps gain money, recognition, achievement, whatever's important to you now, perhaps that changes. But at the same time, they can certainly stay the same, too. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Oh, sure. And, and that's, that's the thing that we love about the assessment. So we wrote the book and we, we shared with everyone our experience and our research. Uh, but then at the back, there's an assessment that you take. And, and certainly there are some people that will always be driven by a certain thing, but they're fairly rare. Because when you think about your lifespan in business or just your life in general, there are some life-changing events that, that cause you to, to realign your thinking and certainly change your motivators. I, I guarantee you that most of us uh, would say that what motivated us when we were in college is not the same thing that motivated us when we were married with two kids. Do you know yes, what I mean? yes, absolutely. They, they realign. Now, there may be a, they may still be present, but just in a different order, a different mixture. And that's what I think really good leaders understand is that as people go through changes in their business life and certainly their personal life, their motivators are realigned and, and being able to know that and to then adjust how you engage and motivate people is really what makes, you know, great leaders uh, different than, you know, good leaders. Good stuff from Chester Elton, the author of What Motivates Me. We're going to take a quick time out, and when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about how you as a business owner or a manager or a leader can take this book and the assessment and make a big impact on your workplace. You're listening to The Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Uh, Great to have you back in the locker room. Uh, Good stuff coming down the road. Next week, Mark Devine will join us. He is a former Navy SEAL commander and has written a couple of books. The most recent one is The Way of the SEAL, and he's a fantastic guy. Can't wait to have him on and uh, and talk about what he does at uh, his facility called SEAL Fit. And that'll be in next week's show. Bottom of the hour today, we'll have on Greg Thompson. He is the president of Blue Point Leadership. 
And we'll talk even more about leadership. Currently talking with Chester Elton. He's the author, co-author of What Motivates Me. And you can find him online at ChesterElton.com. You've got this book out now, Chester, and you've got the assessment in the back of the book that people can take and use. And I happen to have a copy of yours, and I thought it was interesting that uh, you are identified, your primary motivator is friendship and then service and then variety and then fun. You would not make much of an employee. You'd be too busy goofing off to get anything done. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm thinking. No, your, your strongest identity is caregiver. Has it always been that way? No, no. Uh, in fact, that's a fairly recent phenomenon. Um, Adrian and I had worked together at a fairly large company. You know, he was the VP of communications. I was the VP of Carrots, I think, was my official title. Something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd been there 19 years. He'd been there 11 years. Leadership changed. Um, priorities at the company changed. And we decided to go out, go out on our own about three and a half years ago. That's when we formed the Culture Works and, and started speaking and, and writing. And one of the things that, that, that prompted us to, to leave was as long as we were a member of this bigger corporation, we could never own our work. And it got to the point where we wanted to own the books we wrote, you know, as you might guess. Mm-hmm. So as soon as we left, there's no question that I was, you know, an achiever, reward-driven lunatic, you know. I mean, we wrote all in. We, 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 we toured the country and, and many parts of the world speaking and building our business and hiring our trainers and, and consultants and so on. We were just maniacal about making sure that we could take what we had developed at our previous company and, 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 and own it. So three and a half years ago, I was very much a reward-driven achiever. Now, fast forward three and a half years, our company's done very well. Our speaking calendars are full. We're, we're, we're writing our second book and so on. But and on the personal side, my youngest son, we have four children, uh, has left. He's at university, and now he's serving a mission for our church and so on. Our, you know, my wife and I are, are almost empty nesters. We always seem to have somebody living with us at one point and another. But, but, and I'm doing some work with some inner city kids, and my wife is involved in, in a lot of charitable work. So all of a sudden our priorities have shifted to, you know, taking care of our kids as, as they get married and start to grow their families and, and doing more work in our community. So there's no question that it flipped. In fact, in my identities, those two that were dominant are now neutral for me. You know, our financial situation's in good shape. Our, our company's in good shape. Now it's all about family and giving back and being of service. That's And that was a really big eye-opener for me because as I talk to friends that have known me for years but haven't seen me in a few years, they go, oh, yeah, you're a reward-driven you know, knucklehead. And I say, yeah, not anymore. And uh, it's interesting <laughs> as people read your profiles how they see you in that profile. It's fascinating, well, it's, isn't it? it? Yeah, and I made the glib remark about your, your strong motivators, friendship, service, variety, fun, but I, I would expect that because these are motivators for certain people that there are certain jobs that they would do very well. For instance, service, your number two uh, motivator is defined as those driven to, to serve tend to believe it's a moral obligation to help those around them. That means they put the spotlight on others' needs. I would sub- suspect that they would be very good in an in inside customer service role as an example. Sure. Well, and you know, you see that pop up a lot, that uh, motivator in a lot of really good salespeople. You know, don't discount that. A lot of really good salespeople are very service-driven. You know, they're very much about, you know, they believe that their products make a difference, and, and they really want to work with you to make sure that you maximize, you know, the, uh, 
the, the purpose and, and, and the functionality of, of their products. So, no. But I'll tell you a funny thing. You know, uh, Adrian, who's my co-author, his, uh, his uh, number one identity is a thinker. And he's a lot more analytical. Now, my second identity is thinker at this point. So mm-hmm. we've got that in common. But to show you how we work together, and it's helped us work better together, not that we don't work well together, but, you know, we, we had a project, and, he said, and I said, you know, we should get a videographer in here to, to video it and create a little short movie for YouTube and for our training. So he goes, that's a great idea. He says, look, so he lives out in Utah, and I live in New Jersey. He says, hey, I've got two or three video companies I can call. We'll get a bid. And I said, yeah, but, you know, we've already worked with uh, Christopher King. And we like him. We know his work. He's great. He's very reasonable. Let's just call Chris. And he goes, well, why don't we put it out to bid? And I go, because we like Chris. Chris is our friend. Why wouldn't we work with our friends? (laughs) That's the difference between you and me. I'm all about making sure we get the right bid. You're all about making sure we take care of our friends. They go, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good partnership, actually. Well, you know, you lead me to an interesting question. Do you find direct correlations to certain combinations of uh, identity or motivators with positions, uh, it, we have a lot of salespeople and people who own companies that listen to this show. It, it, is there a motivator um, matrix that, that bubbles up to the top that is common to your top salespeople? Yeah, well, you know, with your top salespeople, as you might guess, you want them to be achievers and reward driven. There's no yes. question. You know, they get things done. They, 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 you know, you give them a quota and so on. But if you'll notice, you know, in the in the um, characteristics of a thinker, they they like variety. They like problem solving. So what what we found fascinating as we were alpha and beta testing all of this is we've actually created a functionality in the assessment where the leader can have his or her assessment and then put the whole team on one big spreadsheet and and have everybody talk about it because as you're building a sales team, you may need in that team a caregiver. Do you know what I mean? Yes. To make sure that everybody's kind of getting along and, and, and we know who, who's motivated by what. You may need a thinker in there. You may not want a sales team that's completely made up of reward-driven achievers. You may find that you're going to be more productive if you've got somebody in there that can kind of talk through, uh, you know, uh, hot spots and, and, and conflicts. Somebody that's, that's really a good problem solver and so on as far as a thinker. And, and, and what I found in, in top sales teams is you know, we have this sort of profile of what the great salesman is like in our head. But when you deal in a team environment, you know, you want that diversity in thought. You want some variety. You want different angles. And so it serves well there as well. You know, last week I had Mark Roberge on with me. He is the chief revenue officer at HubSpot. And he took a company uh, from zero to 90 million plus in revenue. And one of the things we taught, it was, it was, the name of the show was Science and Social Selling. And he said, what we did is we benched Mark what we thought, benchmarked what we thought were uh, the ideal qualities for salespeople, and we began to look for those kinds of people. Then as we hired them and we found their success, then we refined that over time. And, and I would think that a tool like this one would enable me to benchmark the very best in certain areas and then be able to go very specifically look for those people. Is that a way that uh, managers or department heads could use this? Absolutely. You know, we, we see a lot of interesting applications. One is, is as you're entering into that interview process, um, have them take the assessment, you know, and talk to them about it and say, hey, does this, this seem like a you? Is this a good fit? And so on. And, and what are the needs of the organization as we, as we look at that? So it's a, it's a great qualifier. It's a great tool for a new manager coming in to, to manage a team. You know, who have I got? Uh, what does it look like? And, and understand, again, I, the power of this assessment is it tells you what your motivators are right now, not what they were, 
not what you think they should be or what you want them to be. It's what they are right now. So when you take the assessment, you have to be brutally honest, right? Now, the way this, the, the, the assessment is set up is it, it's tough to game. Do you know what I mean? If you're, if you're yes. answering fairly honestly and, and you go through and as you do it, you'll see that it, it, it's really tough to game the system. It'll be pretty accurate. But, you know, like anything, you can let your own aspirations sort of get in the way. The, the, the other application that I really like, and I've had many friends ask me for it, is seniors in high school and juniors in college. As they start to look for schools or start to look for careers, is it a good fit with what my motivators are as far as the companies that I'm looking at or even the, uh, the studies I'm about to embark on? And, and that's been really exciting for us, just to see a lot of people early in their careers use the assessment as a guide to, to where the best fit for them it might be. Chester, before I let you go, we've got a, just a little over three minutes. And the book All In, one of the interesting things about the book was that you guys defined seven essential steps of leadership. And, of course, I would never recommend any of your books uh, without all of them. So the carrot principle, then directly to All In, then directly to what motivates me is a good progression of what you've done. But you're talking about defining a culture. Give me, the, give me a snapshot of those seven essential steps of leadership as you were able to discover them. Sure. Well, you know, in the middle of the roadmap, we talk about E plus E plus E, that you've got to be engaged, enabled, and energized. And that was a big uh aha. Not just engaged, but enabled and empowered to do my job, and then energized around my noble cause. And then, you know, you start at the top of the of the wheel, and you say, "Look, we got to be customer focused, right?" And mm-hmm. then we, we've got to we've got to say, "What's our burning platform?" You know, how are we agile? Is number three. And then number four, you know, um, are we uh, are we um, uh, communicating well with our employees. Are we are we sharing that? What motivates them? We put in at the very end. You've got accountability, which is always so important. And then, are you rewarding and and recognizing your people? We say, you know, are you are you rooting for each other? Which is which is so key. And and you know the the part about partnering with your talent and sharing everything. I know we're really ripping through these because we've only got a couple of minutes, but they all kind of build on each other. And these were all elements, not of just good cultures, but really high-performing cultures. And when all those elements were present, literally productivity doubled in the organizations that we looked at. So again, it's not just nice to have kinds of things that you have good communication, you're sharing things or partnering with your talent and rooting for each other and holding yourselves accountable in a positive way, but it's really good business acumen. You know, more and more, um, the only differentiator you've got is your culture. People can replicate your products, your prices, your locations, your buildings, but culture is really hard to replicate. I honestly believe it's one of the last few real differentiators out there. Then yeah. combine, combine that with the right people in the right places with the right motivations, and you can create an, a, a remarkable place to work and, and live. Yeah, I, I, f- I found that book to be fascinating as well. Clearly, we don't have time to do it justice. But the whole idea of being intentional about culture, uh, you say it uh, in one way. What I've said is really the only real competitive differentiator available anymore that can create any uniqueness is organizational prowess. And that is the people and the talent and the culture and the things that enable us to respond in certain ways. I, I was I was really uh, – I, I, I was – really taken with with the whole steps of leadership, especially the burning platform side, because people need something to believe in. They need something that drives uh, their behavior, and then they have a choice. They can either buy in or say, hey, it's not for me. 
Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that we found most satisfying about all the work that you've talked about is, is that when you are happier at work and engaged and have that burning platform or what we sometimes call the noble cause, mm-hmm. you know, you believe you're making a difference and, and, and you're recognized and appreciated for that, is when you are happy at work, and this was a study that was done by the University of Washington, you are literally 150 times more likely to be happy in your personal life. And, and, and I think that's the part of the work that I, that I love the most is that by making a difference for people at work, you can make a difference for people in their personal lives. You, you've had the experience, I know you have, where you've been miserable at work and it translates to you being miserable at home. Oh, yes. And when you're happy at work and it's fun and engaging, you're happy and fun and engaging at home. And, and that's what brings us great satisfaction as well. No doubt about it. Chester Elton has been our guest, and I really highly, highly recommend recommend that you find his books. He and Adrian Gostick, his co-author, their books online. Go to ChesterElton.com. You can find them all. The most recent one is What Motivates Me? Put Your Passions to Work. Can't thank you enough, Chester. Thanks for joining us here in the Business Locker Room. Always a pleasure, Kelly. You can call me anytime. Oh, great stuff. Hey, we're going to take another time out. We're going to come back on the other side, and Greg Thompson is going to join us. He's the president of Blue Point Leadership, and he's got a new book coming out as well. I'm excited to talk about that. We continue our conversation about leadership. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, thanks for joining us in The Business Locker Room. Uh, As we continue the show, we roll right along. By the way, 4D Sales is our sponsor uh, for the segment, the X's and O's segment, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, Miles Austin out this week. I think he is traveling to New York City, and he's at a conference there, and he'll be back uh, in two weeks, actually. But uh, 40 Sales makes the uh, X's and O's segment possible, and every week, Miles and I look at a new tool, an online business tool that you can use. 40 Sales a tablet-based sales tool that's available for both iPad and Windows 8 devices, and they have just released a brand-new website. Really want you to go look at it, 4dsales.com, 
find out more about this fantastic tool that salespeople are using to make their presentations much more powerful, much more compelling, and easier to engage your client. It, it doesn't matter what you need or what you have at your disposal in your presentations, whether it's brochures, PDFs, case studies, slide decks, even web pages, live web pages, videos. You can put them all together with the 4D sales tool and uh, make it just an absolute easy thing for you to present all of those. And the big, big advantage for companies is the ability to provide the consistency of the latest of all of those tools available to each and every one of your salespeople or people that represent your company. Check it out for yourself, 4dsales.com. Greg Thompson is our guest, and as I introduced him, he is the president of Blue Point Leadership Development recognized as one of the finest leadership training and coaching companies in the world today. Greg himself personally coaches many of the successful executives in Fortune 100 companies. He's worked in over 40 different countries. He uh, has extensive business experience in senior executive roles, and we're really excited to have him on board. Greg, thank you for joining us here in the business locker room. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, it's really an honor to be here. I uh, love your show. I love your work. Well, thank you very much. You know, you you have done a lot of coaching work, and I have I've always sort of equated those two words, or actually three words, whether you're a manager, a leader, or a coach. I see those things converging. If a manager has people reporting to him or her, I put them in the leader category. And if you're in the leader category, I think you've got to be a coach, Greg. How does that strike you? Uh, I like that definition. I like the way of looking at it, though. You know, the lines between those words it continues to get blurred. And as we move more into the future, uh, the idea of leadership is really becoming pervasive in organizations. And quite frankly, leadership today is everybody's business. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. I hadn't thought about it that way. And certainly that's what you guys do. Give me a snapshot of Blue Point Leadership. What sort of services do you guys provide? And where do we typically find you? Good. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Uh, we are a Cincinnati-based uh, leadership uh, development company, though we work uh, around the world. We're a global organization. We're about uh, 50 to 60 strong uh, facilitators and coaches. Uh, we're known for uh, uh, delivering to our clients very high-end, experiential, demanding uh, leadership development workshops and coaching. And so uh, we're at the equipping end of the stick. We're, we're not consultants. We're uh, trainers, facilitators, and coaches. And in your background, you're formerly uh, with the Tom Peters Company, and I think that's interesting to look back at that background. I, I remember as I started my business career, uh, that Tom Peters was very much at the forefront of the industry and writing some you know tremendous works that I think that were very well known at the time. And you were actually a part of that company. Trace that history for me just a little bit. Yeah, thank you. I was uh, the president of the Tom Peters Company um, with uh, uh, Tom for a couple of years. We actually morphed. Um, a part of the Tom Peters company into Blue Point, the company that we lead here today to specialize uh, just in the area of leadership. Uh, Tom's work uh, spans the entire uh, dimension of marketing, sales, customer service, as well as management and, and, uh, and leadership. And myself and my partners wanted to focus just uh, primarily on uh, leadership. Uh, it's interesting when you, when, you, when you raise Tom's name, though, is that uh, uh, we continue to be friends today even though we don't work together. Um, most of us in this business, in any form of consulting, uh, training, coaching business, uh, owe our roots back to Tom. I mean, Tom was one of the first uh, uh, authors and research researchers that said, there's a better way of doing things. There's a better way of treating the customer. There's a better way of leading people. And uh, he is still a bit of a firebrand in his, uh, in his speeches and talks, and uh, I still enjoy uh, my conversations with him. 
Yeah, you know, you you mentioned that, and, and I do remember that at the time. It was very cutting edge as he began to talk about the importance of serving the customer and taking care of employees and the way those two things connected. And that was that was very much sort of a leading edge thought process. Nowadays, I think a, a lot of that we take for granted, and people like yourself continue to open up that vista to a lot of managers. But that, that was really on the edge back in those days. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, he was one of the first uh, uh, really prophets to talk about things about an experience, about a customer experience, not just the product or service, but the actual experience. And, I mean, 20 authors have uh, made their bones uh, using that concept uh, today. Uh, yeah. but he, he really has been a prophet. Well, let's talk about uh, two books that you've got coming out uh, sometime right after the, the uh, first of the year, The Master Coach. And then uh, the one I'm really excited about uh, as well, Breakout, Become the Leader of the Future Today. I know you're co-writing that with uh, someone who's very well known in the industry, Marshall Goldsmith. Two books at one time. Listen, I've written books. One at a time is enough work for any human being. You're, you're managing to come out with two books at the same time. I'm sure there's a story behind that as well. Uh, yes. Um, the, the book, The Master Coach, is really the, uh, the sequel to uh, my last book on coaching uh, entitled Unleashed. And it's a bit of an updated version, but it also it's a, um, I really wanted to capture the challenge and opportunity of coaching uh, people that are particularly high performers today and helping people who are performing well make a major shift in their, in their performance and in their careers. And um, we use a, a process in, uh, in Bluepoint entitled Holding On, Letting Go, and Moving On. And it's this idea about helping people really focus on what's most important uh, uh, to them, you know, the core values. What do they need to hold on to at all costs? And then what do they need to let go of? What do they need to let go of to, to, to move uh, forward? Most high performers stay where they are because they are unwilling or unable to let go of something. And then... What do you need to do to, uh, to move on? If you're performing already at a high level, the, the challenge is, okay, what do I need to learn? What do I need to invest? You know, what do I need to risk to make that, that shift in some way? So I've um, uh, crafted uh, this uh, uh, together into a book entitled The Master Coach, and I'm looking forward to that coming out uh, probably towards the end of this year, early next year. Well, I'm excited about that uh, as well. We're talking with Greg Thompson. He is the president of Blue Point Leadership. You can find them online at bluepointleadership.com, all about their services and the things that they offer. And there's a lot of emphasis on leader as coach uh, on your website and the things that you guys do. And, I, and I'm curious, there, there's a bit of a disconnect according to the research data. Most managers as leaders see themselves as being fairly accomplished as coaches. Unfortunately, their employees tend not to agree. They tend to see them not as good as coaches. What, what do you think creates that disparity between what the leader thinks about himself or herself and the employees that work for them? Well, there's uh, a number of, of reasons that, that uh, there's that disconnect, but the number one reason is this, and, and we all suffer from it uh, uh, to some degree, is that we confuse giving advice with coaching. We confuse trying to fix people with coaching. Coaching is a powerful conversation-based relationship, and it is about encouraging people, challenging people, seeing the best in others, helping them assume full responsibility for their own work and their own lives. And it's, it's, it's a way of really facilitating somebody else to come up with their own best answers for whatever the issue is. And advice is really just telling people how we would do it, and we love to give advice. 
And if you listen, tune your ear to how much advice you hear in the organization every day. It's just coming out all the time, all the time. And so, bless their hearts. I mean, the, the average supervisor, manager, leader thinks he or she is coaching. And what they're not, what they're doing is actually not coaching. It's, it's uh, doling out advice. Most of it is not heated in any event. So if, if I'm someone who's become very accomplished in what I do, Greg, and, and I've demonstrated excellence over a long period of time, can I take that knowledge and, and become a good coach? Or is there a, a situation in which my achievements and my ability to do things can translate into training others how to do that well? Sure you can. I mean, you can be a good trainer. You can be a good advisor. You can be a good mentor. But it does not qualify you to be a great coach. It simply does not. Um, the, and my encouragement to men and women who have all that is to use that, but then get past that. Get into the coaching piece where you've given all the advice you can. You've taught everything you can teach. Now you're challenging. Now you're encouraging. Now you're helping somebody see their own work through fresh eyes in some way. Now that's when you really get out on the performance edge. That's when you're really coaching. Well, that's really interesting because we segue out of a conversation with Chester Elton about what motivates me, and they talk about a survey tool that they use to identify motivators. And if I'm hearing you right and putting the pieces together, there, there's really a sense in which coaching is relationship-based. I have an understanding of what you what motivates you, and I have an understanding of the barriers that are in your way, and I'm challenging you to overcome those barriers and to, and to use what motivates you to become more successful. Is, is that fairly accurate? Uh, it is. It is a, it's a very special relationship. It's a, it's a relationship that I need to earn. So in, even in my organization, I'm the president of Bluepoint. That does not give me any coaching rights over anybody else. I need to earn the right to coach every single person in, in my organization uh, with whom I interact. And that's the difference in coaching. Coaching is, is, uh, is something we earn. We don't, we're not given it on a business card or uh, by divine fiat in any way. So it's not actually a, a title or something of that nature. In fact, we might even assume that there could be informal, if you will, coaching going on inside an organization, perhaps even between peers. Is, is that fair? Yeah, very much so. You can, I believe you can coach anybody. You can coach your uh, team members, obviously. You can coach peers. You can, you can coach your boss. Uh, we uh, have a program where we teach uh, sales professionals to be coach-like with their customers. You can coach your customer. And uh, we believe it's a much more powerful way of, of relating to your customer than even what, what is typically called relationship selling. And it's a much more genuine, much more authentic way of interacting with your, uh, your customer. Wow, that's a fantastic concept. I'm sure we have a lot of people in the audience as salespeople and business owners or sales managers who really have an interest in that. What, is it, what does that look like, Greg? If you're going to coach, quote unquote, coach a customer, what does that look like? What does it sound like? Well, it, it starts with recognizing how transparent we are. It starts with recognizing that we truly are transparent. And if somebody's trying to build a relationship with me just to sell me a car or a set of encyclopedias, I will know that. And that will, in fact, turn me off. And so in what we call having noble intention, I heard your guest previously use that term, noble, as well. And what noble intention is, is we truly, truly will do anything in the interaction for the other person. And I believe we're very transparent, and the other person will see that. They will see that. We'll walk away from the deal if we do not believe it's in the customer's interest. We'll put their interests ahead of our own. And that's, that's fundamental in the coaching, uh, coaching relationship. All right, it's fantastic. We want to come back and talk more with Greg Thompson. He is the president of Blue Point Leadership, also the author of a couple of fantastic books coming out. The first one, The Master Coach. The second one, Break Out. 
Become the Leader of the Future today. We'll talk more about both of those books and more about the idea of coaching in the workplace as uh, one of the critical skills of leadership. We're going to do more of that when we come back from our final timeout. This is the Business Locker Room. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Yeah, great to have you back in the business locker room. Find us at bizlockerroom.com. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. Great to have you on board as we continue our conversation with Greg Thompson, president of Blue Point Leadership. Great book coming out next year, Greg, Breakout, Become the Leader of the Future Today. You're writing that with Marshall Goldsmith. I think that's a name that a lot of people, uh, especially as we talk about the idea of coaching, are well aware of. Well, what got you here won't take you there, uh, one of his real significant books. And, and what I hear you saying is something very similar to that idea. You know, in, in the business world, oftentimes two different people can say exactly the same thing to an individual, but one person saying it, it might be perceived as coaching. Another saying it might be perceived as criticism. Why is it that some people can, can reach people and others simply cannot? They're, they're just considered to be critics. Yeah, it, it has, I think it has a lot to do, probably everything to do, with a person's intention. And as I used the term earlier, but noble intention. But it, it starts with this idea as, why are you doing this? I mean, what, what are you doing to help the person or to hurt the person? The, if you think about this idea of, of confrontation, we call it constructive confrontation. I mean, how many of us really do a good job of that? How many of us care enough about other people to do it in a sensitive, well-meaning manner? And, you know, from a personal perspective, well, you don't have to do any research on this. You know, just think of it from a personal perspective. If somebody comes up to you and says, listen, Kelly, this is, this is hard for me to tell you this, and it's a, diff- it's a difficult conversation, but I think you need to know this, and they share that with you, that's a lot different than somebody sharing exactly the same information. When you know they're trying to criticize you, you know they're trying to dig you a bit, they may even simply be trying to get it off their chest. 
And we, uh, we all, all humans, react very much through this filter. Is he or she trying to help me, or is he or she trying to hurt me? The biggest challenge that I've seen with organizations and with their leaders is that they almost consistently, I mean frequently, all of the people I interact with, they really have a challenge with what you've called the constructive confrontation. Uh, The failure to address performance issues is one of the most pervasive problems that I have seen. You can really help me and my audience today by giving us some sense of how to go about doing that. Clearly, you're not going to cover all the ground the next 10 minutes, Greg, but, but give, us some, give us some help there. How, how do you go about finding the will and the way, and what is the best way to constructively confront people with performance issues? The, uh, uh, and you, you, are, you are absolutely right. Um, I, I coach very successful men and women, and almost every one of them, when they look back, in their, in their careers, somebody cared enough about them to, to share something with them about how they were turning other folks off, how they were underperforming in a certain way, maybe even something that was going to take their career right to the, uh, right to the ditch. And it, it's, it, this, this idea of constructive confrontation is a thing we do very poorly in, in most organizations. And what happens is it, it pops up in a different way. Like you, you finally just lose your temper with somebody because they just haven't changed. And they simply haven't had the, uh, the raw material, the data, to, uh, to, to, uh, to change. The, the, I, I believe that, that, of course, one needs to be sensitive. But above all, one needs to keep the responsibility over to the other person, with that other person. It, and most of that can happen through the, the, the uh, uh, coaching conversation, which is mostly around questions. Asking other people if they believe they're performing at their very best. Asking other people that if, if nothing changes in your performance, what is going to happen? If, if, if you're inviting people to uh, uh, listen to your feedback, asking people, they say, listen, I have some feedback for you. I think this is important. It's not, I'm not sharing this for me. I'm sharing this for you. Will you listen to it? Asking for that, uh, that permission can be extraordinarily powerful. Most people want to hear Here's, uh, here's uh, a question I ask at conferences uh, often is this, and, and by show of hands, I ask people this. So listen, if, you, if, if you're doing something that was really turning people off in the organization in some way, and you didn't know about it, you didn't know about it at all, and this was very important information uh, uh, to you, and if somebody else in the organization who you really trusted, and you knew, and you knew they were deeply interested in you, would you want that person to come to you privately and share that information? 95% of people put their hands up. So we want that information. We just want it delivered by somebody who cares about us. Yeah, somebody that we intuitively respect their opinion and believe that, as you mentioned earlier, they have our best interests at heart. And yet I can hear people screaming at the radio or at the podcast right now saying, you don't understand, the minute I start talking about performance, people get defensive, they get manipulative, uh, they shut down, there's all of these negative behaviors, and I, I really don't know where to go from there. What do you, what do you say to that, Greg? That is absolutely true, and that is absolutely a reflection of their leadership. All their behavior, everything. Like if somebody is performing poorly in Bluepoint, I can't change them. I can just change myself. If somebody, and that means changing my leadership, and if somebody is not accepting your feedback, that and they are disinterested, they are passive-aggressive, whatever it might be, that is a direct reflection of your leadership. 
until leaders recognize that any time they make an excuse, any time they talk and criticize their people, they are criticizing themselves. That's their job. We're too soft on our leaders. We allow people to uh, uh, leaders. We owe it to our organizations. We owe it to the people uh, in our organizations to keep them thriving through high performance. That is wow. That, yeah, that's that's strong. I mean, yeah, I, I think you've said something powerful there. We're we're we are very easy on our leaders. Oftentimes, we allow them to shift the blame to their employees, and, and leaders get off the hook. Yeah, exactly. The I have I have a uh, a client that uh, ranks their performers in A, B, and C. You can be an A performer, a B performer, and a C performer. You only get to be an A performer if you have all A's working for you. And it doesn't matter what your performance is. If you have a B working for you, you can't stay in that organization any longer. It doesn't matter what you do. If you have any Bs working for you, you cannot stay in the organization. So think about it. What if, what if the, all leaders were totally responsible for the performance of their teams? That, it's, a, it's a completely different way of looking at this idea of personal leadership accountability. Well, again, it's a part of the problem, Greg, is I'm sure you're quite aware. We, we tend to promote those people who have gotten things done, who are good at what they do, and yet we ill-equip them to go then be responsible for other people. They may be great at what they do, but they have no sense of leading others to the same sort of results. Yeah, exactly. And But thankfully, you know, in most organizations these days, the vast majority of leaders have a, have a great appetite for professional leadership development. I mean, the, the appetite for coach training, for communication training, for leadership training of, of all kinds has never been higher. And we, we find very little resistance in our workshops and in our coaching from leaders who want to get better. Greg, absolutely great to have you on board. I cannot wait. We'll have you back on when your book comes out, Breakout, Become the Leader of the Future Today, co-written with Marshall Goldsmith. He is the president of Blue Point Leadership. Find him online, Greg Thompson. Find him at bluepointleadership.com. So very thankful. Thanks for joining us here in the business locker room. Thank you, Kelly. It was an honor. Good stuff from Greg Thompson. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. We've got so much coming down the road. I'm really excited. Again, let me take just a few seconds before we close out the show today to talk to you about the Business Locker Room. Brand new website, bizlockerroom.com. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. And uh, I encourage you to send us emails. What types of guests are you looking for? Do you have comments about the show? All of those kinds of things. This is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business performance today. And you can do us a great favor if you would. Go on iTunes uh, in particular, find the show, and uh, leave us a heartfelt review. Tell us how we're doing so that we can uh, make this show much more visible to to the other people who are are looking for things like this. It's been great to have you on board today. Coming up next week, as I mentioned, we will have Mark Devine on board. He is the author of The Way of the Seal. And I'm really excited to have him as a guest because we're going to talk about uh, the things he learned as a Navy SEAL commander and uh, what he's doing at an organization called SEAL Fit to train and develop people and to help them reach their full potential and many times much further than uh, the potential that they think that they have. Well, that'll do it for our show this week. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks to Michael Sergit. He is the engineer on the other side of the glass, always making me sound far better than I really am. Thanks to our executive producer, Brandy Jackson. Thanks to 4D Sales for the sponsorship of the X's No segment. We'll look forward to having Miles back on board in a couple of weeks. And we will see you next week right here in the Business Locker Room.
Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.